Welcome to the show. I'm Greg McEwen, and I'm your host for the What's Essential podcast. There are lots of shows on how to improve, on how to become successful, but there is only one on what to do once you are. This is essential because success can be a catalyst for failure, especially if it leads to the undisciplined pursuit of more. This show is about how to become successful at success. It's for high performers who are on the edge of exhaustion, solving problems completely before they even arise. It's about turning tedious tasks into joyful rituals. It's about simplifying your processes and making your most essential activities the easiest ones. So if you're a driven, hardworking, productive person who is running out of space but still wants to make a higher contribution effortlessly, the What's Essential podcast is designed especially for you. So let's begin. Sergey Young. <laughs> it's been too long since we've had a chance to really yeah. yeah. For people who don't know you, business leader, innovator, launched many companies, invested in many more, but now, and for several years now, invested in a different, bold, uh, moonshot-type endeavor where you're trying to work out uh, how to elongate life, to extend it to 150 years, to 200 years. Uh, You have just written a book, intensely researched, uh, but also like a guinea pig, you are living and striving to live these ideas in the book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young founder of the Longevity Vision Fund, all-around great person, someone I love calling my friend, Sergey Young. Welcome to the What's Essential podcast. Hi, Greg. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Let's get to this. Make the case for why someone should want to live to 150 or 200 years old. Well, it's number of ideas behind that. One, I think when we are not short of ears, we can switch from this deficit mentality to like what I can do for people around me, what I can do for this planet, what I can do for myself. And these are the things like spending more time with kids and the loved ones. These are the things taking back responsibility and enjoy this responsibility for our own health and the health of the planet. This is about realizing our dreams. This is the idea that we can live very diverse life, like changing careers every decade or so. So for me, I mean, it's a dream to go to Mars, however crazy it sounds. But like, if you live in 75 years, this is obviously half joke and half serious stuff. But if you live in like 75 years, well, that's the average lifespan for developed world. You can basically enjoy 
this time on Earth. But if your lifespan is 150 years, you can always excuse yourself for two or three years and say to your loved ones, guys, I'm going to be back in three years' time. Uh, I'm going to Mars and uh, I'm going to come back uh, (laughs) and see you in a couple of years. So that just gives you more resources. But then it's up to you how you use these resources, mostly time. I mean, I think what you're hypothesizing here is that a lot of the challenges of our lives are based on having such a pathetically short amount of time here. And so you're saying, if you extend how long you have here, then you suddenly have an abundance of time. Lots of good things grow out of that. You you have more time for family, more time for uh, your own development, more time for achievement of goals. I mean, I think I I don't think I exaggerate this that that you see this as an asymmetric scenario. There's only really upside. There's a little downside maybe here or there, but really it's an upside proposal. And and I'm not knocking that, but I just want to push on it a little for a moment, and then let's get to let's say I'll give you the challenge to identify for us in a moment the five things based on your research and your work that we could apply ourselves to extend life uh, and, and increase our, our longevity. So now it's just, just challenging this for still a second more. Is, is, there not, is there not a downside to the idea of twice, you know, extending life twice the, the, the average? Is there, is there nothing we should be cautious of? Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, well, that's a great question. And that's actually why chapter 11 of my book, it's, it's actually a last chapter uh, in the book called Morality of Immortality. I'm, I'm not a fan of immortality, uh, obviously. Uh, so it just, um, it's just a metaphor for radical life extension. And what I'm always saying that in 20, 25 years from now, the biggest obstacles for extending our lifespan and our health span is not going to be science. It's not going to be technology. It's going to be human ethics and regulation. What I see in, in longevity and, and extreme longevity uh, is an opportunity to start a conversation how we need to change the ethics of our society, the rules of our society, our relationship with um, other human beings and with the world, with the mother nature, uh, for us to embrace the idea of living longer. And you're right, Greg. Depending on the country, but like if you look at US and UK, and UK um, 65 to 75% of people, if you ask them if they want to live longer, they say no. Mm-hmm. And that's a wake-up call for all of us. We, As I always say, we have created technology to extend our life, but we haven't created life that we want to mm-hmm. extend. So this is my biggest worry. And that's why I'm waiting for far horizon of longevity, which will like technologies which will be available to us in the next 25 to 50 years, like human avatars, integration of our brain with uh, artificial intelligence, uh, a lot of sensors in our body with combination of excitement, but also fear. And I do think today is the time to start a conversation, to start the change, how we would like to see the world where we going to be living longer. And it is about solving inequality. It is about redefining our life 
for life to be more spiritual, purposeful, dedicated not only to financial resources, but a lot of different things. Yeah, that's so interesting. As you've been thinking and pushing the boundaries, I would say as much as anyone anywhere on trying to imagine what, you know, what could happen as you just sort of indicated very quickly there some of these bombastic uh, possibilities 25 50 years from now as, as you've been extending your own mind and imagination and vision uh, into this subject matter you've also been discovering more than certainly the average person about people's hesitancy about this what a profound statement that is that so many people when asked Say, no, I don't want to live longer. That's a very profound statement to me. When at the same time, it's so typical for people to say, well, I don't have enough time. You know, I wish I had more time. Uh, you know, I wish I could go back and redo things. And I know you already talked about some things at the surface level, but what would you say is the primary thing we could do? to make it for people that they would want more time? Your thoughts? Oh, it, well, it's not even one trillion dollar question, Greg. It's, uh, it's a question that we've been trying to solve for probably the whole evolution of humanity. Let me just respond in a way. It's a very prompt answer. But what I'm thinking about, I'm particularly concerned about inequality gap. So my, again, hypothesis, uh, whether it's right or wrong, if we will work on that, if we will provide basic level of healthcare, which is going to be super efficient, highly technological, extremely affordable um, to the people around us, to the nations and to the countries and to the world. Well, that's amazing. That's why I'm always talking that my mission is to change lives by providing affordable and accessible version of healthcare rather than, you know, working out a solution for a handful of rich people and the rest of the planet uh, going to suffer. Uh, if you're going to go further with that, then we can think about universal basic income. I do believe if, if you cover uh, the basic needs of the people and uh, including right to be healthy and right to have access to basic healthcare, we have more time, we have more intellectual resources, we have more reason to uh, become a better version of uh, ourselves. It reminds me of sort of the, the Hobbesian idea, Thomas Hobbes, who was describing famously uh, that life uh, was, was often nasty, brutish, and short. You're saying if you can make it less nasty and brutish, then people will be incentivized to make it long uh, because it would be a greater pleasure to be here. We would, we would want to, to continue on. So let's, let's answer the question in one slightly different way. Mm -hmm. You clearly want to live 150 years. I mean, I have to assume that you do. Otherwise, why the whole, you know, longevity vision fund, you know, why found that? Why do this? You know, and of course, you think it's good for other people, too. But yeah. 
for what it is that's so exciting for you, because I'm not advocating in this conversation that it's that it's not exciting. Uh, we just wanted to, to, to access this idea that for some people it's not, but it is for you. Why? Okay, uh, great. So first of all, um, I, I've been always like a, such a positive person uh, uh, and I'm trying to see the opportunities everywhere. So when I started to do my uh, visualization that I'm, you know, I have an opportunity to live longer. Well, let's say 150 years, whatever the number is. Um, well, just amazing feeling. And uh, it just changed your overall mentality and your relationship with people around you and with the world. And I, I have to admit that, you know, all this all 150 or 200 years, um, it's one of my communication tools. Because where I started, Greg, uh, I... S- I was just telling people like what they need to do today to live to a hundred uh, healthy and happy years. And people found it really boring because it is boring stuff. It's just managing complexity of your healthy lifestyle and doing your annual checkups. So then I, I invented this 150 and 200 years. So the unfortunate reality of today's society, first, I need to shock people with this number. And then I get their attention. So then I can inspire them with like, well, these are the things like gene editing, organ regeneration, longevity in the pill. Uh, this or like wearables or personalized healthcare device. These are the things which will help us to live sub- significantly longer. But you need to stay on longevity bridge because they, all of them going to be available to us in 10, 20 years from now. I call it near horizon of longevity. Like, but what about today? So again, unfortunate reality of today's world I need to shock people with 150 and 200 years number. And then I have a communication window to feed them. Like what is the best practice to be healthier and happier men or women today? Of course, I would dream to live, to spend more years on earth because I have plenty of ideas, plenty of moonshots. But to tell you the truth, uh, I don't really care whether it's going to be me or next generation, like our kids or our grandkids, who's going to enjoy this opportunity to live healthy and happy life. So for me, it's just act of sharing with the world. And uh, obviously, I can't really explain it in every conversation. But like, even if I die in the age of what, 80 or 85, whatever the average lifespan is on Earth, but if I can make contribution to make humanity healthier, and give a lot of people who I need um, access to affordable and accessible version of longevity and, and digital healthcare. My mission is complete. If my kids or grandkids and and this whole kind of next generation will have completely different opportunities created by me and and thousands and millions of other people in longevity field who are uh, sharing the same mindset. I'm going to be super happy. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. (coughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. So whether you're selling 
scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person point-of-sale system, whenever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. So sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic, which is your AI-powered all-star. In my experience with every business that I have built, including this podcast, there are breakthrough moments, and those moments are often the result of finding the right partner. And I think that's a way to think about Shopify, because no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. I love all of those distinctions that you're making. And one of the things that puts in my mind is part of your argument seems to be the inevitability of longevity, that even though there are many forces that still uh, keep the average life expectancy to what it is currently, over time, anything like the long run, uh, many of these these forces are giving way. You know, so we can start on the on the on the one side where we see you know enormous progress being made uh, in terms of basic literacy. Uh, you know, basic levels of healthcare, uh, and so life expectancy is even in the most sort of dire estimations from the United Nations and others that that gather data on this. The expectation is, if you go forward into the future, fifty years, a hundred years, the life expectancy will just continue to go up the world over. But then you add something even beyond that, where you say, well. The technology advancement is so immense, and and can even again if you if you even just were saying well there's just slight upward progress and you multiply that by a long period of time you're going to find innovation that currently seems shocking you, you've named some of them uh, but but that will suddenly become plausible and even normalized like in the last uh, hundred years. We doubled our average lifespan on Earth. So I agree with you. Uh, it's going to happening whether we want it or not. And then it's up to us whether we want to be reactive about this and then deal with um, with this when it's happened. Or um, we can ask ourselves all these important uh, questions like, can we be more long-term here uh, in terms of our personal plans? Well, in terms of just our relationship with the loved ones, with people around us or with our communities or with our nations. That's one. Or what will happen with my, uh, with our social structures, like with marriages, our relationship with kids, even with kids from different generations. Or what will happen if I will outlive my finances? There's so many questions and we don't need to be scared by that. I do think it's, if you think about this early on, you have all the opportunities to 
solve it in the best possible way for uh, yourself and people around you. Tell me, from the research that you've done, from your thinking on this subject, what are five things, the most essential things, that a person listening to this could start to do who says, well, I do want to extend the longevity of my life. I do want to be able to participate in some of the advantages that we've been discussing. What, what can they do? Again, as we discussed before reaching the near horizon of longevity, uh, which is going to be available to us in 10, 15 years from now, it's gene editing and gene therapy, organ regeneration and regenerative medicine, uh, it's new class of drugs. It's going to be longevity drugs, so which will influence the aging processes in our body and therefore decrease the risk of us getting the cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes. Uh, there's something that we can do now. By applying all these principles from five longevity buckets, this is how I call them, you can add 10 or even 20. And what is important? Healthy and happy years to your life. So number one, and when I have my 30 seconds on longevity, when people ask me, I, I talk about only this thing. It is about the importance of your annual health checkup. This is one of the most important days of your life every year. So I've got mine uh, on June 8th this year in San Diego in Human Longevity Center. And uh, you can do it in the hospital next door. It's... it's uh, it's pretty standard procedure available from your uh, healthcare providers or your health plan. You know, all you do is, is, you, is just checking the early signs of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and neurogenerative disease. And, and this is like 90% of death uh, happening because of these uh, reasons after the age of 50, at least in, in developed world. And the beauty of today is unlike 20 years ago, well, let's look at cancer. Cancer was keys of death 20, 30 years ago. People were delaying the date of their cancer screening because if you knew you have cancer, you, you have, what, another 6 or 12 months to survive. Well, it's not anymore. If you can catch cancer through early diagnostic tools at early stage, your recovery rates for some cancer types is 93 to 100%. So that's very important. There's so many things that technology can help you to do today. But again, this is not a rocket science. Like every knowledgeable doctor will be like so happy to discuss with you what you can do once a year or every six months uh, to monitor your health and be healthy. Underlying what you're suggesting is this sort of step one is this is the premise of the power of prevention. Uh, there's a whole chapter of this in, uh, in Effortless uh, because, because I care in that book about, um, about residual results. And although it's a slightly mind-bending way to get to it, uh, what else is prevention than, uh, than a residual result? If you can remove something early, if you can address something quickly, then you, uh, then you remove from your life having to manage and deal with a problem many, many, many times over. So it's a residual result in a sort of, uh, you know, an inside out way. Uh, okay. Number two. Number two, uh, I call it don't die stupid or passive longevity. <laughs> we do, we're doing so many 
uh, yeah, I can even call it stupid things, which really harms our health, like tobacco smoking. Yeah. This is statistically minus 10 years from your life. Or there's like some of the countries where people don't use their seat belts when they are on a rear seat of their car. And this is minus two years from your lifespan. Or some of the countries or states, when you can actually drink you know, glass or two of wine, and you're still going to be okay for driving based on the current rules. So like in our family, we have like zero alcohol policy for uh, car driving, whatever the regulation in this place. Uh, we have the same rule. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I like that. Or not taking unnecessary risks. Like I have a very good friend um, from California. She's an amazing woman, uh, entrepreneur. She's um, she's big fan of um, uh, mountain climbing. And I just got an email from her. She said, well, Sergey, I'm going to approach this August uh, and I'm going to try to climb the most dangerous mountain on earth. It's called K2. It's in Pakistan. Mortality rates on average uh, there is 25%. Just for a second, Russian roulette is 17%. And it's like super dangerous lottery, right? That you can play. But like why, why someone would need to take a risk of just dying in one out of four cases? You're saying... And I absolutely love it. Uh, the principle, number two principle, don't do dumb things. Yeah. The primary obligation of life is to live. Plenty of enjoyment, fun, creativity. There's plenty of things to see and experience that are actually uh, you know, managing the risk quite low. Number three. Uh, number three is about your diet. And like the key thing here is to decrease the number of calories that you take every day. However simple it sounds, like it's just a lot of disagreement in the academic world what actually extends our life today. But there's one agreement. Even the most skeptical ones, like Aubrey de Grey, agrees that if you decrease the number of calories that you take every day by 15 to 25%, you're going to be living longer. And you can add like, three to five, you know, up to seven healthy and happy years to your life. So, I mean, obviously it's just easier to say that than to do that. So my life hacks on that, uh, go as plant-based as possible because vegetables, they they have such a lower uh, caloric intensity. For people that haven't read uh, the China study, this is kind of the most thorough research and data pool that has ever been gathered on contrasting the effects of diet on health and therefore on longevity. Uh, it was based on data that was that had been created by by an experiment uh, that uh, that a Chinese emperor had initiated by insisting that certain cities and regions in China, you know, would not eat certain foods, and so basically, you know, enforced a plant diet for whole regions and could compare them to regions that uh, that we're eating what we would think of as a kind of Western diet or, or, or the king's diet, uh, as it was known in medieval you know, Europe, where it's you know basically very heavy on meat and what we would now think of as quite an unhealthy diet. 
uh, what they found was that in the cities and regions where it was almost entirely, you know, let's say under 10% animal product diet, uh, is that there was literally no evidence of heart disease. None. That it just completely disappeared. And so the, the book, The China Study, goes on to experiment on that now through a Columbia, if I remember right, Columbia and maybe Cambridge uh, University collaboration to try and experiment and see if that was uh, could be proven now in a lab and in controlled experiments. And they found that it could, in fact, it could reverse many of these conditions uh, and disease, uh, even after somebody had heart disease or cancer. Yeah, uh, well, I just wanted to say about China study. This is where my longevity journey started. It's it's relatively old book. I, I think they published this back in 2005. We actually have the same publisher, Ben Bella Books, who published um, The Science and Technology of Growing Young. And that's why I'm, I love working with them, because they're so keen to change people's lives through changing their health and their state of mind. That's a great book. I, and I think they sold like 3 million copies all around the world for the last 17 years. Yeah. So uh, what I do, I do fast 36 hours every week from Monday evening to Wednesday morning. But like you don't need to be so radical. You can do like this window fasting when you fast for 18 hours, including your normal sleep hours, and then you consume your food within six hours interval. That's a great place to start. And I've seen very rare cases when... uh, because of the health conditions, uh, people couldn't really fast. So you obviously, if you think that um, you are in the risk category, you can consult with your doctor. There's so many things you can do both on quantity and uh, quality as well. Uh, but otherwise, if you want to experiment, just do like 21 days only on vegetables and you see how your body and actually your mind will respond to that. You don't need to be like vegetarian for the rest of your life, but just give it a try. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, we just did, Anna and I just did a, um, the, the whole 30. Uh, we pretty much did it, uh, you know, kept to it for 30 days, which you're just really eating whole foods. There's a few things that you remove out of it. Give us the next item. What number are we on? Are we, are we on three or? We're number four. Yeah, it's about physical activity. And we have this, uh, like a mindset on physical activity, which is very binary, like, I'm either like running for marathon or Iron Man or Iron Woman, or I'm just sitting at my home and watching, you know, sport on TV or on the mm-hmm. internet. <laughs> and I, we don't need to be, be binary, right? World is not black and white on that. So what I like, use any wearable that you you use and uh, mm-hmm. measure 10,000 steps a day because you can walk pretty much, you know, all around the clock. And you can integrate walking rather than running or doing like a fitness sport in so many activities. Like you can even do calls or Zooms uh, while walking in the park or uh, in a district nearby. And I like it because I do think it's complete like two-thirds 
of the physical activity agenda. And then on top of that, you can add whatever you want, whether it's cardio or weightlifting or stretching in the form of yoga or any other form that you like. And this is extremely important. Yeah, I, I so agree with this. And, and again, what one of the things that, that I've been trying to focus on uh, myself and, and, and with our family has been uh, trying to add the term lifelong onto whatever goals we're trying to set. Now, not all goals have to be lifelong, but if you say lifelong, if you say we're learning and you think about it in terms of formal education and, okay, then we're going to be done with the learning portion of our life and onto something else, that's very different than saying lifelong learning. If you commit to lifelong learning, you can take it quite gently, quite sustainably, but you can think of how much you can read and learn and understand in a whole life of, of, of lifelong learning. And the same for exercise. And so I've had a bias towards things that, to, towards activities that I can do now at my age, but I can also do, and I can see people actually doing at 70 and 80 and even 90 years old. So for me, that's things like tennis, it's swimming, it's walking. Uh, it's, it's building that into the natural flow of, of a lifestyle. Uh, give us number five. So number five is, I call it peace of mind. And it is about your mental health, your spiritual health, which is, remember, often when we, when we talk about our health, we start with the physical health. So we don't really go into like mental health or spiritual health uh, thing. And uh, for me, it's really three things. Uh, one is about sleep. Uh, this amazing book, um, uh, you obviously know by Matthew Walker called uh, Yeah, I know Matthew. Sleep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, my rule is like eight hours in the bed, uh, seven hours of sleep. And uh, after reading this book, I, I basically rethought my, changed my uh, approach to sleeping. The second is mindfulness and meditation. And uh, whatever spiritual or me meditation practice you take, it, it's very important to take down the cortisol, which is a stress hormone in, uh, in our body down. Uh, but also just reconnect to like to, to the best part of us, like be grateful. And as I always say, like you don't need any app or uh, tool for you to pray or meditate. We just need to sit mm -hmm. down in silence and listen to your own voice and and be grateful and think about and dream and think about like uh, good things in life. The third thing I, I call it sense of purpose. But it's just, uh, it's just all the basic rules of us being a, you know, kind and, and good people and just taking out this whole social conditioning for us uh, that force us to be overachievers, for us to be insecure. And um, just share the best of you with the world. Give more than you take. Have a sense of purpose in life. And usually you find it in, that in helping other people to succeed or be healthy. Think about spiritual leaders that you've seen or you met. They all shine. They actually all live in longer and they look healthy and they like, they radiate this beautiful light. And I know it sounds a little bit uh, uh, idealistic, but like if you dedicate your focus to social realization, if you dedicate your focus to helping others, to sharing the best of you and making the world a better place, this is like, I, I mean, in my own terms, this is at least plus five 
uh, plus 10 years to your lifespan. And I can assure you, it's going to be one of the best of your years because of your dedication, you have in a sense of purpose. What you're describing makes me think of all sorts of leaders that I've known and religious leaders. And, and some of the most inspiring to me have been people who have, um, who have lived life in crescendo, who seem to have contributed more as their life has gone on. And, you know, I'm thinking of two religious leaders, leaders of both global leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at their time, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley, who lived into his 90s, I think 97 years old. But it's not just that he lived a long time and not just that he was mentally able and capable. It's that in the last 10 years of his life, he made a greater contribution than in any other decade of his life. I mean, it crescendoed. The same could be said for the current leader, uh, Russell M. Nelson, who's 96 years old. He was still skiing into his 90s. I don't know if he still is or not. It was really what you just said there a second ago about light, the countenance, uh, what, what is going on within somebody and what they seem to be exuding into the world. I mean, this is a religiously agnostic point. There are leaders within all sorts of traditions uh, who ex- exemplify exactly what you're describing it's a good place for us to for us to wrap with with a phrase that i read quite recently the quakers have an idea they say let your life speak and that is to get quiet enough in life that you can hear that voice of conscience that sacred voice speak to you and that you can let that strengthen you, renew you, give you direction and purpose. We can, you know, in a sense now come full circle in our conversation to this idea that we, that we discussed at the beginning, this, uh, this Hobbesian idea. You know, his more precise phrase was that uh, there's a life could be solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. He's not saying that it has to be, but, but surely what we're, dis- what we're crescendoing here in our conversation is, is exactly the opposite. It's about focusing, maybe, maybe not denying that life can be that, that you have a, the why to live and the why to live therefore longer is to be able to help life be less solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short for other people. And that is, I think, uh, exactly what you're trying to do and why you're doing this with such deep conviction and and why it's not just about you, but for your children, grandchildren, and many, many others beyond you. Sergey Young, thank you for being on the What's Essential podcast. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, everyone. Stay healthy and happy. Ladies and gentlemen, essentialists, one and all, we've come to that moment again, the end of the show. Thank you really sincerely for listening. It's been amazing to see what's happened already with this show. The show has become, in fact, the top 3% of podcasts globally within just the first five months of its launch. And that's because of you. You have made this special. And I want to end, as I always do, reminding you that if you don't do anything else, just ask what's essential and eliminate as much as possible everything else. 
This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.